Hello, good morning, happy Saturday. Uh, it is it is Saturday, and I'm <laughs> recording a thing. I've got some hair issues to deal with, and that's where we're gonna kind of start. Um, this is what my hair does when I go to sleep uh, with wet hair. Uh, clean, wet hair, and it does this, which is awesome. I, I mean, I am so grateful for my hair all the time. Not so grateful for the fact that it will fall out. Um, especially as it, it seems that my testosterone levels are going up, so I'll bet I'm going to lose all my fucking hair because of that, which, which sucks. And then, headband. Apply directly to the forehead. Uh, oh man. So that's, that's a place to start. Head-on applied directly to the forehead. What a shitty product. Literally does nothing worse than a glue stick. Get people to slather it on their foreheads and make a million dollars. See, that's... Yesterday we talked about exploitativeness and about, mm, well, about evil and about humiliation and about um, fighting and about all all sorts of things and about Nazis and, and about all sorts of things. Um, but that idea of exploitation of, of head-on is such a perfect fucked up thing. You know, there's the there's this the the subreddit, and I've spent a good amount of time there. There's the the subreddit late stage capitalism. And if you don't know about it, a, a lot of late stage capitalism's posts are about like how how fucked up capitalism gets. Uh that's reasonable. I think that there's a a fundamental misunderstanding of the world there. Right? I I mean you, know, you, can, you can look it up, and I can see the Wikipedia article. It was used by the German economist Werner Sombart around the turn of the 20th, blah, 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 blah. That's all, that's all well and good, but it's like, I don't, I don't know that the two things are equivalent, but I do know that there are problems in the world, and they're fucked up. And head-on, applied directly to the forehead, a, a placebo pain reliever that didn't work and sold millions of stupid things because of their stupid ad where they didn't technically lie to you because they don't actually say that it does anything. They just say, head-on, apply directly to the forehead, and you infer from that what it's used for. People are like, it helps me with headaches. It's like, no, it doesn't. But they think it does, and so it kind of does because the placebo is ridiculous. But essentially, these this fucking company was selling glue sticks for five times their price, and <laughs> what a what a ridiculous thing to do. What a what a what a faulty thing to do, and the kind of thing that should be prevented by some level of rule or regulation. I think I I don't know. Maybe there's a better system. That would be great. I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't evolved yet, or more accurately, it hasn't evolved at all. Because the only systems that have evolved that are still working are capitalist. <laughs> so that's interesting. So here's 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 an idea is is like I I I have been in some discussions about some people with some people about about capitalism and I don't know enough to have those discussions yet and I'm working on it. And I'm working on it. But I you know, I my life is proving some of the things about about our, the system that we're in and the way that that my existence is working and the Patreon is working seems to work in a way that seems like a potentially ethical way of gaining enough funds to survive and maybe enough to to thrive. It seems like something like that, and I don't think it's universalizable, but it it is kind of working. And it at fundament it is that I produce value and people give me value based on a kind of a a negotiated market of what they think the value is worth. And weird, weird. It kind of works. So. I'm just going to try to continue giving away value. I was actually thinking about it, the hair thing is a little bit of a farce, although that was exactly what my hair looked like when I, when I sat down here. Um, um, I hadn't combed through it yet. But I wanted to talk about this. I wanted to talk about this thing. 
that I wear in the majority of my videos whenever I have long hair. I have one of these. I made this. I, I made this years ago, obviously, because it's been in my videos for years. And it's the best thing that I've ever found for the purpose. I've purchased other hairbands. I've tried to use hair ties. I've tried to use hair, like, clippy things. I've used girls' stuff. I've used guys' stuff. And none of it fucking works properly. All the hairbands that I find have the little comb things that dig into your hair and pull it back. And I don't like those. They don't... They're not right. But years ago, I, I made this, and it cost, like, 15 cents. To make the the best damn hairband, and and a, a a little bit in a weird way, this thing is is me in a way. It's emblematic of me in some ways. It's you know if you think about hairstyle as as somebody's representation of themselves in the world, and a lot of the time that it it is, you, you know you you find people who lean into um, um, undercuts and like like spiked hair to the side and stuff, and they're trying to demonstrate or colored hair. They're trying to demonstrate to some extent that the internal person who wears that hair is something other than the norm, because the norm is like is crew cuts and long hair for girls, and you, you're trying to demonstrate that there's something other than the norm, or you're wearing big big liberty spikes. My roommate used to have big liberty spikes, um, and that's demonstrating that that he's a different person than you are. He's he's showing that through this hair thing that he's got. So, well, what does it say when you've got all your hair sort of slicked back and it's all, or not even slicked, I don't put product in my hair, essentially, and I've put less in it recently, and it's all sort of bound down by one, one wire. Well, it's not one wire, first off, it's two wires in perfect balance that are actually one wire because they loop at this end. And they're in a double helix and there's a reason for it. <laughs> partly because it works and it makes them them sturdy in a particular way like the physics of two two wires bound around each other is sturdier and and different than one wire straight across but also because it creates texture against the thing and that does sort of the same thing as the little tines in the headband that pull the hair back it does the same thing without pulling the hair back as far as i can tell and now, now maybe i'm wrong maybe the the use of this wire across my head is continuously causing breakage in my hair i do get breakage because i, I bend my hair back and some of the hair at the front wants to go forward, but I bend it back, right? And there, there's something, there's something almost, almost mystical about that in a way. It's, it's that who am I as represented through my stupid hairstyle? Well, I am, I am one person driven toward the future as though my hair is blowing back in the wind, right? Driven toward the future, and I've bound it all down with this symbol of me, a thing that I physically created... A thing that I physically created out of electrical wire, and I think electrical wire matters. <laughs> I really think electrical wire, and I think like plumbing pipe, matter. I think drywall matters, and I think wood matters, and I think nails and screws, specifically screws, fuck drill, F fuck nails. Nails are inferior screws in almost every way. Screws are better. Screw, screw, um, uh, supremacy. Uh, screws are the best. They're so good at holding things together. They're drills that stay. So cool. They're they're helixes that stay. They they work. Um, but I think electrical wire matters, and the electrical wire that I used for this is it uh, 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 came from my dad, and and like there's something to this thing that's cool. And so when I made this, and I started using it because I I, I had a need. The need was I needed to hold my hair back because it was getting in my fucking eyes. And frankly, the the headband of the of the headphones works for the purpose when my hair is long enough, but it doesn't work well enough and I get all poofy and that's unfortunate. So this thing is the best thing that I've found. Well, how do you make one of these? I'll just tell you. I'll just tell you. 
you get a length of wire that's uh, uh, solidly a bit more than twice the length that you're going for, like three to four times the length that you're going for. Fold it in half, take the, the looped half, well, take the, the two pins and put them in the center of a vice grip or under a weight or um, ba uh, uh, under a table leg or something that will hold them together, okay? And just hold them flat and then take the folded end that's the little loop, put a screwdriver in it, like like this, okay? Or like like this, and then just pull it tight and twist the screwdriver. And keep twisting the screwdriver. It's gonna take a long time. You can do it with a drill too. You can attach it to a drill bit and just go and just do this instantly and that'll be fine. I'd actually recommend taking the effort to twist the metal yourself into a formation that, that works. So here, here's here's what you got to do. I took these from Romex, Romex Cable, so which is a Southwire brand. Really, you need only a few feet of it, but um, I think it was the 12-2 Romex. So I think it's so relatively hefty, solid core. Obviously, you don't want stranded wire, solid core wire. Get some; it's cheap. You can go to Home Depot and just roll it out from a spool and cut it off and pay by the foot. And you're gonna pay a few cents for it. It's like it's nothing. Costs nothing. It's, it's it might make the most use if you have long hair. Might make the most cool cool thing that you've ever had for your long hair, and that's kind of neat. Um, but pull out a few feet of it, cut it off, pay for it, or steal it. I mean, don't steal it. Pay pay for it. Wire is valuable. Uh, also, copper wire is really valuable. I learned this when I went to the observatory, the the Gemini Observatory in Chile in the Atacama Desert. Um, which I had the, the, the vast privilege of going to because my uncle on my, um, on my mother's side is an observer, uh, is an astronomer and uh, astrophysicist. And so he, he got invited there and invited me. And so when I was in middle school, I got to go and I got to observe one of the biggest observatories in, on our planet. And that's pretty fucking rad for a kid to see a thing like that. And a lot of kids don't get to see things like that. And I recognize the privilege inherent there. But the reason that I bring it up is because uh, about two years before um, we got there, maybe a little less, uh, uh, some thieves had gone when the observatory was was not well. Uh, it, it was maybe in progress of being produced, or there was they were taking a break or something. But some thieves went and they ripped all of the electrical, the copper cabling out of the entire observatory. They ripped it all out and stole it so that they could sell it by weight for copper. They took. They took a telescope, uh, our eyes, our ability to see the universe and expand our knowledge. Some people were so greedy and desperate for, for money that they ripped the eyes out of themselves, out of their own world, in order to maybe feed their families, but probably it was more like a, a large-scale criminal operation to go and, and fuck this, because it was thousands of thousands of feet of, uh, of electrical cable and, and some crazy cable, too, because you're, you know... You think about our optic nerve, and, and that's on a very small scale, and we're not capable of doing information transfer as delicately as that. And so our optic nerve cables are like this big to get that level of information transfer. And so they stole some wire. They stole, stole some stuff. Copper's valuable. It's, it's, it's interesting. It has conductivity, and it's, it's a value. But anyway, take it. Do either the screwdriver method or the, the drill method. Spin it. Take it, bend it over your head, don't cut off the looped end, use that as one end, find where, you know, where about above your ears you are, you want it to go past your ears, okay, you don't want it to get caught on your ears, like, just like a headband, okay, 
Um, find where that is. Figure out how long you want it once it's bent over your head. Take it off and snip off the other end with a pair of wire snips. And then use some sandpaper to to sand those snipped ends down because they'll catch your hair otherwise. Or they'll catch your skin because they'll be sharp. Okay, so just just, just cut them off and be, be safe. Um, um, sand them down. And then once you've got the thing shaped out, take a, a hammer and go onto a, a, a concrete or stone or a steel surface or an anvil. You probably don't have an anvil, but concrete or stone or whatever and just hammer across the thing ding 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 to flatten it slightly you can actually see if i get if i get this close uh you can't see you can actually see that these are it's flattened out slightly all all over and especially on the insides of the the edges it's because i went and i hammered every every bit of it i hammered it all down and made it just slightly flat um, and that's it. That's it. Might take you uh, 20 minutes, maybe probably way less. Um, I was, I was thinking, you know, I, oh, because the first thought, and so this is part of the corrupting force of capitalism. The first thought was, hmm, this thing's cool. I, I was thinking about this yesterday. The first thought was, hmm, this thing's cool. Could I sell these? Well, because because immediately it's like oh, your eyes light, light up. You're like, wow, a cheap thing that's like 15 cents to manufacture and takes less than half an hour of your time to manufacture. Probably less if you get a system going. You've got a drill and you bend it, bend it, hammer, 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 bend it, hammer, 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 hammer. You know, I could make a couple dozen of these in a day and then sell them for like five bucks. And you're turning 15 cents into five bucks, and that's not nothing. That's like wow, cab her profit, lol, profit. Wait, wait a second though. This thing is easy enough to do and maybe useful enough that maybe instead of selling it, I'll just give away the idea of it. And there it is. So there's there's me giving away the idea of a thing, which is a tool that I made. And as far as I can tell, I mean, I didn't invent headbands, but I invented this one. And I thought about its design for a while, and I, I tried a couple times, and, and I failed a couple times. And what I came to, I haven't had to change for like four years. I haven't had to make a new one for like four years. It's good because because it, it works. You know it it gets a little bit of the the patented green uh, uh, copper corrosion, but very little. And if I wanted to, I could go and I could scrub that off or use a copper cleaner. But I don't because I actually think it's beautiful. I actually really like the way that things mm, patina. This piece of wire has been wrapped around my head for a couple of years, and it's been wrapped around my head while I've changed. Because I've changed in the couple of these years. I've changed a lot. And also, not at all. Because I'm still... Still me. Still the same person with, with a lot of the same ideas. You, you can... You can go back to... Go back to my early videos. And you'll discover quite quickly that a lot of the ideas that I'm expounding are not new. Uh, almost no idea is new. But, but they're, they are repeated. I found that really funny because I had somebody... In, in my Discord, criticize me for repeating points in videos today, and and for a bunch of other things. It was criticized pretty pretty heavily for repeating things, and for some other stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm going to repeat things. If I, if I find the truth, and the truth is something like, there's truth in anime, well, I'm going to say that over and over, because people never get it. And some of them... Once in a while, they get it, and I get a comment where somebody's like, Oh my god, it clicked for me. You changed the way that I see everything. And that's what we're going for, bud. 
that's what we're going for. And sometimes you have to say the same thing in different ways, in like 20 different ways before it can click for somebody because people are different and they interpret things differently. Because I'm different, I'm constantly changing. And so my opinion on the idea that I have is changing slightly continuously. And all of my ideas are held loosely. I believe in them strongly, but I, but I, but I hold them loosely and I'm willing to, to be questioned on them if the questioning takes a format that's of any sort of validity and interest and has any sort of evidence behind it or any sort of even logic behind it. Because most of the questioning that I get doesn't. It just doesn't. Most people aren't actively and formally trained to, to dissect ideas. That's a problem and we need to fix it. I, I don't think people have an idea or, or a con concept of what good faith is in terms of conversation or debate. Because I, I think it's evaporated. I think good faith, dialogue, and discussion doesn't exist. You know, in our presidential debates in the United States, those are supposed to be the biggest, best, most interesting debates in the world about things that matter. And they're farces. They're snarky, sarcastic, idiotic, child-fucking-playground child farces. It's like watching first-year debaters snark at each other. It's, it's ridiculous. The, the, the degree of celebrated idiocy in our nation is ridiculous. And some, somebody, so part of the, the, part of the criticism that I received today is, is quite legitimate, and it's that, hey, you're, you're acting really arrogant. You're talking a lot about yourself and how good you are. It's like, yeah, I am. Yes, absolutely. I'm talking about myself and all the things I'm finding out about myself because I've lived a life for the last few years, for my whole life, where I have thought that I'm not that good, and I'm not that capable, and maybe I should just stay in my room and not fuck around with some of these ideas that are important. Ideas that I understand, and I, I, I understand that I understand, and I understand well enough to know that I don't understand them completely, and I know enough about the world to know that I don't know everything, right? All, all of these things. But that's it. I've believed that for a long time, and it's a lie that I've told myself and that the world has told me. Because in the video about, about asking a girl out, I said, I don't know how attractive I am. And a number of people came back and they said, you're really attractive and you don't realize it and I dislike you for it. It's, it, it pisses me off that you're so oblivious to this, that you've got these gifts and you don't even know it. And so I'm trying to know them. I'm trying to be aware of my privileges. Because that's, that's what's going on here. Having a high IQ, whatever that means, because IQ is a shit, re shit reference point anyway. Whatever that means, having a high IQ is privilege, and I want to understand it, and then I want to wield it the best way that I can to create the best change that I can in the best direction that I can, that I can fathom. I want to wield it. And if I don't recognize where I'm strong and where I'm weak, I'm not going to be able to wield it. The, the person who wrote that criticism seems to have missed all of the parts of that discussion where I talk about all the things that I'm not good at and my failures and my flaws seem to miss that part. It's, it's one side and then the other side because you're like this too. You're not just failure and you're not just success. Let's assume that I'm right about my general intelligence. It's an assumption. I, I could be wrong. I could be way dumber than I think I am. That's the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's that you, you think you're way more competent than you are because you're actually so incompetent that you don't even know what competence means. It's actually, it's the kid who goes, I could fight that guy and has no idea how a fight works. Or the, the guy in Smash who's like, I could totally take down West Balls and then gets crushed because he has no idea. He's so, they're so incompetent that they don't even know what, how to, they wouldn't recognize competence if they saw, if it hit them in the face. 
well, if, if, if I were, if I were there, if I were so incompetent that, and so stupid that I wasn't even aware of how, how stupid I am, then why would have, why I have been welcomed into some of the top class institutions and, and programs in this country with open arms. And if I'm, if I'm lying about this ability of mine to spin off essays, then why is it that I've never gotten less than an A on an essay in, in highly competitive university programs? Highly competitive academic university programs. Why is that? I, I, can, I don't have an explanation for it other than maybe the supposition that I'm not that smart is incorrect. So maybe I should think about myself as, well, maybe I'm capable of processing information rather rapidly. And maybe I could use that to improve the world. Wouldn't that be good? I don't know. I don't know. It just, it just kind of pisses me off. And it should. I am defensive about it. Everybody gets defensive if you tell them that they're not that smart. Or if they seem like they're acting arrogant. It's like, yeah, of course I'm acting arrogant. I'm trying to figure out the balance point to my self-hatred. And I'm going to be wrong in both directions. But some of it is deserved confidence. And some of it's arrogance. And I'm, I have to separate the wheat from the chaff. I have to separate the one from the other. And that's true. But it ain't all arrogance, man. There's a reason people are watching. And I'm trying to find what that reason really is and get as much of that in here as possible. And there's a balance, you know. Pe people are commenting on the, the Daily Brews and there's a mix. There are people who are pissed that the other shows aren't getting the time that they deserve and fair enough. And there are people who find the Daily Brews too rambly and they, they're, they're too long for them and they're not concise enough. And there are people who say, this is exactly what I needed. And yeah, you just you just broke me a little bit with what you just said, and I don't know how you did that, but it's it's that had an effect on me. And it's like okay, so somewhere in here is where it is. It's somewhere a little bit more concise, and we'll edge toward that a little bit as much as I can because I'm I'm scattered and I'm not very organized. <laughs> you know, like the thing that I said is my fundamental flaw. My my fundamental flaws are arrogance and disorganization. And it's like the, the people who are criticizing this, the person who's criticizing this missed it, just missed the point completely. Like, yeah, my, my thoughts end up scattered. That's why I have to do one pass of editing before I hand them into an academic professor. I get it. My thoughts are scattered because I'm a scattered person. I'm not very conscientious and I'm too open. I'm overly disorganized and, and overly able to grapple with new things. And overly interested in the chaos of the world. And it, it scares people sometimes. I gotta... It scares people, and sometimes reasonably. I got a message this morning that was like, Hey man, I just want to let you know, the title that you chose for your last Daily Brew is some Nazi shit. That's some bad shit. And I was like, I know. I know it. My family has taught me that because they ran from it, and I understand it. And 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 this person went, well, I'm I'm German, and so that made my senses tingle a little bit. And I thought, wow, what an interesting thing. Because when you say work will set you free to an American, they go, yeah, man, that's the American way. They don't fucking know. We're not educated well enough on the horrors of our of our history. And maybe if we were, we wouldn't be so seemingly interested in repeating them. It seems like we're interested in repeating them. It seems like the conservative right is interested in repeating some elements of Nazism. And it seems like the, the liberal left is, is, is interested in repeating some elements of communist revolt. 
and both of those things have led to bad things, and maybe we shouldn't repeat them, and maybe if we knew about them a little bit more, we wouldn't repeat them. So I've got a copy of the Gulag Archipelago coming. From Solzhenitsyn. You know, the Nobel Prize winner who experienced the concentration camps in Russia during the revolution, and after the revolution, and during communist Russia. During the takeover. And he wrote about it, and he wrote about what people do in those places. And he won the Nobel Prize for it because he elucidated something fundamental about human nature. You know, back when the Nobel Prize meant more than it does now. It doesn't seem to mean that much now. But Solzhenitsyn's prize, I think, means something. And so I'm going to educate myself, and then I'm going to educate the world as much as I can. Because I don't think people understand. You know, people like to look at the Nazis and go, well, they were just simple and evil. And it was just the, the Hitler doing the evil thing. It's like, that's not what it was. That was a scary thing that happened, and you need to understand it. And nobody wants to, because it's really hard to look at. It's so hard to look at the true horrors that, that you can do. And it's called, we call it gazing into the abyss, man. It's gazing into the abyss. And will the devil take over you, or can you, can you remain man? Like, whoa, I don't know. I don't know. I made... This is a separate thing. I made this out of wire a little while ago. I, I realized... I, I, I don't know. But it's something that... That I've been working on, and, and it seems to be true with a lot of my friends, is that they've got this passion, this thing that compels them, that they're, they're actually really interested in. And they've sublimated it, or put it aside, in order to survive. And it, it's like... When I talk to them about it and I ask them what the, the thing really is and we get down to it and they give me they get me an answer their eyes kind of open up and it's like oh wow I should be pursuing that it's like immediately they resonate with it I've got a friend who wanted for his whole life to be an actor and he hasn't done any acting or any acting classes or anything like it for a long time and it's part of the reason he's obsessed with Dungeons and Dragons because it gives him a chance to to act like somebody else a little bit but he's, he's working, 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 not acting. And I talked to him, I was like, man, you know, if you could set aside one day of your week to not work and try to make the acting thing work. Because, you, you know, you, you got responsibilities. You can't just drop everything and become an actor. It won't work. But if you could just go and get some bit parts in some shitty, in some shitty TV shows, that might fulfill you. And his eyes lit up. He was like, whoa. Almost like like just pursuing that in one part of his time would make all the work at the place that he doesn't like working worthwhile. That seems true. And the reason I bring it up is because I remembered something, which is that when I was young, I mean quite young, eight probably, my parents got me into sculpture. They, they bought me a, a, a quite a bit of polymer clay, Fimo, quite a bit of polymer clay. And I became absolutely obsessed with sculpture. I made dozens of little animals, little lions and tigers and dogs and cats and, and scorpions and snakes and all sorts of things and, and figuring out how to coil things and make them and, and make these elements and put them together and build things and structure things and work spatially and, and carve things out of nothing and, and sculpt and shape the world with my hands. I don't know why. Maybe... I, I've been I've been trying to ask my subconscious things like this. It's like, why do I do that? Or why don't I do that? But I've asked my subconscious, why don't I 
what stopped me from clay and part of this comes from the the book the whole brain child that i read about psychological development is is that often children will have a trauma associated with a thing and then for reasons that they don't understand they'll avoid the thing and the example that's given is um a kid who is really into swimming and swimming with his friend and stuff he starts he just goes i don't i guess i don't i don't i think i don't want to go swimming i i want to go I, you know i'm too busy i've got too much stuff to do i'm not going to go swimming with jimmy and the parents go what the fuck is that the kid is doing great and so the parents think it through and they realize that maybe a year ago they they sent their kid to a swim camp or a training camp and the t counselors at the camp were not very nice and they like had the kids like hold their heads underwater for too long and that that caused an unfun experience related to swimming and now as the future moves on the child unconsciously without being able to put their finger on what that was is like no i don't want swimming and the answer as we might expect from psychotherapy is to figure out where that event was and talk it through and separate the and, and re-establish the event memory so that it's not just an emotional memory but a logical one as well and you know that the thing happened and that it's affecting you and preventing you from swimming so that you can sort of make some conscious choices and use your logical side of the brain to grapple with it because that's otherwise what happens is you only grapple with it on an emotional side you go well, I hate swimming, and your brain is way stronger at that emotional response, and you'll come up with justifications for hating swimming, even though you love swimming. So I think there must have been something with, with the clay that snapped me out of it because I was doing it, and then I wasn't, and I don't know the difference. I don't know why. I think it's so vague in my memory, because this was a long time ago. It's so vague in my memory. I think my father was mad at me for spending so much time shaping clay and doing clay stuff that I, I he, he felt like I wasn't doing the things that I was supposed to do. Like maybe I, I skimped on my chores or maybe I wasn't focusing on my homework and reasonable. But I think he approached that in a way that, that forbade the clay, maybe. Or called the clay wrong or something. And I think I internalized that. And so I, I took some of my vape wire. Because I, I, I had it, I had it just sitting there. And I've been finding and getting rid of some of the more, more the, the little bits of this vape existence that have wormed their way parasitically into my existence right because nicotine wants to stay in your vicinity it's got a mind of its own and it wants your time and your energy and your and your addiction but i had a bunch of spools of vape wire and i i picked uh, spools like this i've got more spools of vape wire like this and they're they're just spools of of wire and i started i picked them up and a couple of them like fell apart and they just went and swing because wire is springy. And I just took them and I started smashing them together. And I started smashing them together and I made a foot with one of the wires. And I took I wrapped it around with another wire and I molded it into a, something else. And I tried to get this to the point where where it would um have to where it would stand on its own. And it just sort of it just sort of stands on its own. It's bar barely but this leg of wire sort of stands on its own. I was like, wow, that's cool. I need to buy some clay is the idea. Because as soon as I had my hands on something that was moldable and manipulable, I was like, oh my god, this is what I made for. What is that? That's cool. That's a cool thing to realize. And we discover the things in childhood that we were missing or something like that. Or the things that we've given up. The things that we've sacrificed in order to survive are the things that we need to go back to in order to survive. So I want to posit this question to you as the end of this very short morning brew. Is there something that 
you used to do that you enjoyed that you're not doing and you're not sure why you're not doing it. I, I lean toward the artistic pursuits, but it's not always that. I've got a friend for whom it was to some extent math, actually. We were, we were talking, and I was talking in the same vein of talking about my flaws. And I said, well, one of the things is I'm really verbally attuned and I'm not very good at math. You know, I've got, I've got <laughs> the SAT scores. Per, I have perfect verbal and writing SAT scores. Perfect. 2400 or whatever it is. And then I'm close to perfect on math, but not perfect because I had to struggle at it. <laughs> And when I say that, I want to be clear, when I took the first SAT test for the first time with no training or prep, I got a perfect score on the verbal and writing sections of the SAT with no prep. And I got like a six something on math because I needed to prep. And then I prepped math and I got to understand the questions and the way that they worked. And I got close to perfect on math as well. And that SAT score is a large reason for why I was invited with open arms into one of the more prestigious institutions in our nation and was able to work there effectively and succeed there and to stand out there as exceptional within a lot of my classes, specifically the film classes and the literature classes and the philosophy and psychology and evaluative history classes and things like that, I stood out un unlike some other people. Stood out in a bad way in the math classes. And of course, I am a fool, so I pursued a mathematical career. <laughs> Idiot. So, you know, things to criticize for certain. But I mentioned this to him. I'm not very good at math. And he went, wow, I am really good at math. And he went, wow, I really used to like math. Wow, why don't I like math anymore? And I turned to him, I was like, hey, man, please buy a, a book on quantum physics. Because the two of us are moving in that direction in terms of our ideation about about fundamental natures of reality and like what's going on and how can we manipulate it and how can we use it to create a better future for everybody and and we need quantum physics we we need it and it was like oh you've got math i don't have that please go explore that as much as possible especially if it validates you inherently if you enjoy it as a process please go explore it as much as possible so that we can team up and, and make some shit happen because I got ideas and I can't manifest them because I don't have math and you've got well you got math but you don't have programming and I've got programming and that's sort of language and I can deal with programming because it's like language but it's math language so I need you for the math thing it's like whoa we can expand our brains by attaching to other people's brains super useful but anyway that's what I'll, I'll leave you with find the thing that you were doing that you stopped that you enjoyed that you were compelled by that you there was a gravitational or magnetic pull between you and it. You don't know how that works, but I'll tell you how it works. It's because all the myriad things of you are aligned in one way, and that's magnetism. And all of the things about an art form are aligned in a way, and that's magnetism. And you are magnetically attracted to some things and magnetically repulsed by other things. And to some extent, that's your biology. It's your innate structured being. Some some little girls like this kind of little toy, and some little girls like this kind of little toy, and you can't explain it via socialization. You can't explain it completely. We're different. We like different things, and we're attuned to different things, and we pursue different things, and we're compelled by different things, and that's good. Because if we weren't, we'd all be the fucking same, and it would be lame as hell. This world would suck. But some people are drawn to dance. And some people are drawn to, to, to visual art. And some people are drawn to literature. 
and other people are drawn to manual labor, like literally lifting things. Some people get their whole fulfillment around that or, or are drawn to sports. You know, how many, geez, I, this is a question for you. How many young people, I'm thinking men, but I think women too, spend their whole lives, their whole adolescence as hardcore athletes, and then they're just not good enough to pursue it as a career, and then they stop doing athletics entirely for the rest of their lives, and then they wonder why they're miserable for their whole lives. I think too many. I think too many. And so there's, there's perhaps a value in like intramural ultimate frisbee teams for, for folks, because if they could get some of that stuff, that childishness back, maybe they could live okay and be okay so find what it is for you what your sport or your art or your thing that you gave up because i think you probably gave it up maybe because somebody told you to maybe because of a traumatic experience that you need to evaluate and maybe just because the world is too hard and it didn't feel worthwhile because that's reasonable if you feel like you have to work every hour of every day in order to survive well you can't put those hours into painting because the painting doesn't make you money and the money is what you need to live, and so you can't paint. But you should, because I think, I don't have the proof for this, but I think that if you were to dedicate an hour a day to painting, all of your other hours would be more productive, and you'd be way more alive. Way more alive, man. So be alive, and be well, and be good. I love y'all. Every every one of you, even the ones who are continuously mean to me, I've asked for it, and so there it is. And I know that some of it comes out of love, and so there it is. But oh, it's hard to love people who are being mean to you. It's like it's really hard, and I'm doing it anyway, and it's really hard. So I love you all, even the ones who reject me and hate me. Um, I really wish you the best, and I hope. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope you, you know, maybe I don't have the answers for you. Maybe you already have the answers that I've found. But I do have some answers for some people. And all I can do is say that I, I love the people who don't see it. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I can't make you see. Um, but, but I love you and I hope you love yourself. Believe in the me that believes in you. Peace. And I mean it.